Welcome to True North Vineyard Podcast, where we share our Sunday gathering messages. True North is a vibrant church plant community located in Traverse City, Michigan area. We are centered in the Bible and follow the example of Jesus praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We hope that our Sunday gathering messages encourage you to lean into the word of God and compel you to take action. To connect with us, visit our website, vineyardtruenorth.churchcenter.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True North Vineyard. Uh, But we are finishing up chapter two of Philippians. This is the largest portion of Philippians that I have done. So I'm really excited, um, and I will keep it short and sweet tonight compared to last time. So forgive me for those of you who were here, and uh, you can uh, hopefully get a little bit less of my presence. I'm just kidding. All right, let's pray for tonight. Uh, Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that we get to come here, that we get to be uh, encouraged by one another, that we get to experience the joy of um, friendship of the body of Christ, and Lord, just um, the ability to meet together as one and, uh, and without oppression and, um, and, and just freedom in that understanding, Father. So thank you so much for that. And I pray that you just bless this night and, uh, and that you will just speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, uh, do you have that first, uh, I got Steve my notes late, so do you have that Philippians passage? If you guys have your Bibles or your phones, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. So we're going like a big old section here. That's the whole last half, and you're going to understand why I'm dealing with the whole last half of this chapter once we read through it. So uh, 19 through 30, if you, if you don't have your Bibles or you're not, you can follow along up here. Here we go. You ready? I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Okay, hold on. I'm going to stop this real quick, because I just recognized there's something I want you to do as I read this, and as you read along. Uh, Have you ever, have you ever written a text or a letter to somebody? Okay, (laughs) okay, that's a dumb question, right? Okay, if you've written a letter or a text to somebody, put yourself in that mindset right now. Okay, this is Paul. This is Paul writing a letter to people that are friends of his who love him, okay, and who he loves. Okay, now that we have that mindset, here's what he's saying. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be, so that you too, oh my word, sorry, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord Jesus, that sh- in the Lord, that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for the For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Okay, first thing I want you to recognize is this is Paul 
writing a letter, right? I know this is something we think about often when, uh, or I mention often when we talk about Paul or we talk about Philippians, but it can't be more apparent than in this text. You, I mean, you could see yourself putting, putting this pen to paper in this exact situation and, and just writing what you're feeling and what you're thinking and giving this to the people of Philippi. He's, I mean, this is, this is about as personal as you can get when it comes to the letter. So, Am I? Is anybody like not get that? Anybody not feeling that expectation of when he of him writing this exact thing, when he's writing to the people of Philippi? Does that like go right over your guys' heads, or is that is that like recognizable? Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure of that because if not, I wanted to spend a little more time on that and and deal with like what this looks like because there's there's often this weird expectation of well we're reading the holy scriptures, the Bible, right? But it's important that we recognize the humanity within the Bible. This isn't some abstract, independent thing that is utterly inhuman. God used humans to accomplish his will in writing the Bible. And we see these expressions come out consistently, right? We talk about uh, John. John is the, is the uh, apostle of love. He's always talking about, I'm the one who Jesus loves, you know, and, and that's an expression of how he's writing his gospel. And so this is, this is Peter, or I mean, Paul, really kind of putting that out there. Okay, so the one thing I want you guys to see specifically out of this passage is Paul's value for others. Okay, you, you, you recognize it consistently throughout everything he does. But his value for other people within the body of Christ and those he's ministering to is like tantamount for him. It's the utmost thought process in his brain is how valuable other people actually are. And I say that because a lot of times, personally, it's one of my down short, or downfalls and shortcomings is that I don't often recognize the value in other people, okay? <laughs> I'm saying that to you as humbly as I possibly can because I always think myself sufficient for the task. I always think, oh, I can do that, right? Or, you know, that was, that was very indicative of the way I was raised. My parents are like, Go do that thing. Like, don't, don't, don't say you can't. Go try it. If you fail, that's okay. But go do it, right? So I, I just want to, I'm, I'm kind of admitting to you guys, like, that's a downfall of mine. So I'm always striving for this thing, to be humble and to ideally value others, right? And so this is what Paul's doing. So uh, I want to touch on what Paul's situation here. Does anybody remember where I said Paul is when he's writing this letter to Philadelphia? I mean, this was eons ago near the beginning. But does anybody know or say or remember what I said? It's fine if not. He's in prison. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's in prison. Not just in prison, but he's been in prison for a minute and he's been this is like this is a suffering. This isn't Paul's been in prison multiple times in his life. This is a bad time. This is a really dark time for Paul. His suffering is exponential and the prison that he's in at this point is dark. Like this is not one of those uh <laughs> this is more like the Monty Python and the Holy Grail, like stuck in prison, you know, like that extra, extra. Um, I always think of, uh, are you guys familiar with Princess Bride? Yeah, like the pit of despair. That's what I always think of when I think, like Paul's there. He's at that point and he's, he's like, this is, this is a low point for him, right? But yet he has the wherewithal while writing this letter to have the value of others in mind and the things he says in it that especially at the beginning. Do you have that um, uh, at the beginning of this? Do you have the Philippians passage, Steve? At the beginning of this chapter, chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, he says this exact thing. Um, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Here's Paul in the pit of despair writing this thing to those people, right? Like, that's, that's amazing to me. That's, that's brilliant love and humility at work. That's, that's what we're talking about. That's, that's the thing I want you guys to recognize here. This is a thing that is active for Paul. It's not just a philosophy, and it's not just something he wants to preach to people. He's actively writing a letter that is doing that very thing in one of his darkest times. So that's hugely relevant to recognize. Okay, so the second thing I want you to see about this is how Paul talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus. How did Paul talk about Timothy? Let's just first start. Does anybody rec- remember from the beginning of the passage? How does he, what does he talk about Timothy? He's like a son. That's a huge deal. How many of you have a son? I just got one, okay? So those of you who don't have a son, totally acceptable. But it, it, it struck me very profoundly that he is willing to put Timothy like in that place in his heart and in his mind. And then he not only does that, but then he tells the, then he tells these people at Philippi, like, you guys know what he's like. You know his worth. This is who he is. Like, he's also proven that, and he's, he's building those people up. He's showing them the value, right? What about Epaphroditus? How does he talk about Epaphroditus in that first section there? Does anybody remember? Say that again? Miracle from what? From his healing, yeah. So uh, why was that so relevant to Paul? Did anybody catch that? He was about to die. I mean, he was like on his deathbed. And who was this Epaphroditus? Does anybody, does anybody can kind of pick that up in the, in the background? I'm going to go back to that section. Um, if you would go back to that section at the bottom there, he says, uh, I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. And whose messenger? Your messenger. Your, who's your in this passage? The Philippians. This is really important to recognize. Epaphroditus was from that church, and they sent him to Paul to help with Paul. Like, that's a pretty cool thing. So here's Epaphroditus with Paul in prison, doing all these things, almost dying, all these, all these you know, working for the ministry. Paul calls him a fellow soldier for the gospel, right? This is, this is important. So he says, your minister to my needs, which is pretty cool. You have to recognize that Epaphroditus went to be a boon to Paul. That's pretty, pretty outstanding in my opinion, you know. And so then he goes on to talk about him, uh, he, he wanting to send him back, you know, Epaphroditus wants to come back. And they were all worried about him because they heard Epaphroditus was sick. So he's saying, I'm, I'm eager to send him back to you because the Lord did this great thing in his life. And on top of that, he's fought his fight with me and I want to send him home, <laughs> like essentially, right? Does that make sense? So Paul's value for others is, not only apparent in what he's doing in his letter to, to the Philippians, but also in the people who are right there in his life. And that's huge, okay? That's something I really wanted you to recognize. So, again, you, I think you guys are recognizing the humanity of what's going on in Paul's letter here. This isn't just talking about highfalutin theology and philosophy. He's like, these are, these are the men and women who are with me doing the work who I'm dearly in love with. Okay. So the last thing is, hear the genuine concern that he, and care that Paul has for the church at Philippi. In this passage, he's legitimately saying, what, what's he sending Timothy back for? Does anybody remember? Verse 20, he says, For I have no one like him, this is Timothy, 
who will genuinely, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. This is a big deal, in in my opinion, in the recognition of like Paul's not just sending somebody like, oh yeah, we need that, we need somebody to be there at Philippi to, to help care for those people and to, and to lead those people and to teach those people. He's saying, Timothy, my son in the Lord. He's the most valuable person I have. He's the one I'm going to send to you because I know his heart on this matter. And on top of that, I know what he cares or what he thinks and will do for you. Where's Paul? In the pit of despair, right? I mean, like, you recognize what he's doing here. Like, Timothy's probably coming to him every day and caring for his needs and, you know, giving him what he can't, what comfort he can, praying with him, singing with him. Who knows? This is all conjecture, but. I know as a good friend and fellow worker, he's doing these things for Paul. We have that in other parts of other letters, so we recognize that he's doing these things. And so here's Paul in that position, and he's like, Philippi is more important. What a beautiful, brilliant thing. Paul setting himself aside once again, saying what I have and my, you know, uh, one of my favorite quotes by him is, I consider it my, uh, that our present concerns are not worth counting I'm butchering that text, but you guys, are you familiar with that text? Yeah, for the future glory that we will have, like that's what Paul's doing right here. He's putting his words and his philosophy into action, okay? And that's, that's the thing I want you to recognize with the humanity of this aspect. So I want to look at uh, two, two other passages where he's talking to the Galatian church and the Roman church. And he says this in Galatians 6.2, he says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is pretty much Paul's philosophy from the get. Whatever that looks like, he's doing that thing, right? This is also to the Galatians. And then he says to the Romans, verse, or chapter 12, verse 10, he says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Why is that the case? Why anybody got a great, like, of course that makes sense. Tell me, tell me why that makes sense. Anyone? Why would Paul say these things? Absolutely. Honor and humility go hand in hand. They're 100% the case. I couldn't agree more. Why else? Anybody got any, anything else? Like, why would Paul, like, why would Paul really push this, this thought process onto his people? For what point and end? Sorry, go ahead, Heather. I was just going to say it fulfills Absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It, I mean, it's amazing to me how many quote-unquote Sunday school answers are the most profound answers we have. Like, because Christ loved us. Yeah, that's, I mean, Paul's like, that's what he did. This is what I do. Follow me as I follow Christ because I'm following Christ. And Christ was the, was the original layer of the path. And all he did was the simple things that all of us ignore constantly. That's what Paul's saying. Like, do the, just do the easy stuff. That's all we have to do. Do the easy stuff and the rest will work itself out. It's results-based on God's side of the equation. It's us to follow. It's us to obey. That's hugely relevant. Does that make sense? Sweet. All right, moving on to the next portion. They all seek their own interests. Okay, there's a weird portion here that he says in verse 20. Uh, when he's talking about Timothy, he says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your own welfare. And then 21 he says, For they all seek their own interests, 
not those of Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, first off, Paul's not, not above giving a backhanded slap to somebody, which is obvious. Okay, whoever these people are, we don't know. I don't know if, you know, he's got other followers that he thought about sending. They're probably doing the work. They're probably actually, you know, actually, quote, unquote, Christians evangelizing, gospeling, doing whatever out there, being the hands and feet. But what is Paul recognizing about them? This is something that I really want you guys to recognize because this is extremely important for those of us who call ourselves Christians. And it's also one of the number one things that we get criticized by the outside world when they look in at us. What would that be? Somebody give me. What was that? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Weird. How is it that people, especially outside of the body of Christ, can look at us and say, hypocrite? But it happens, and it's true sometimes. Many times, I'm, and I'm sad to say, I truly am. And that's relevant because of what Paul's talking about right here. I would assume he had many disciples to be able to, at his disposal, to send to this church at Philippi. But he overlooks all of them for what reason? Somebody help me out here. Selfishness. Selfishness. They're not looking for Christ's gain. They're looking for their own gain. And now here's the, here's the hardest part that I want to just kind of push on you guys and recognize, for us all to recognize, because I'm always preaching to myself in these situations. Let me be clear. The number one thing that we have to recognize is I may want to try to do the right thing or actually do the right thing. But if my motive is incorrect, what I do is irrelevant. And it will be for the wrong gain. Straight as forward as that. How many of you have heard good advice from somebody who knows best, who's not you? Anybody? <laughs> okay, let me be clear. I understand that that sometimes is like, you have no idea what I'm going through. You don't get what's happening. You don't understand anything. But the real question is, what's the motive behind their heart? And now, now I'm putting us on the other side of this for just a second, but I really want you guys to sometimes they could be right. What we have to do is be humble enough to ask, are they right? What's their motive in this? But then I really want to flip it on its head and put it back where Paul did and, and ask you, what's your motive? What's your response? What's your action? Is your motive right? And that's what Paul's getting at here. He's, he's, he's overlooked all of them to send Timothy, who would probably be his best boon. Could you imagine if just maybe one other person he might be able to send because of their motive and still have Timothy there to help him out? Like, that would have been a pretty awesome thing. I can't tell you enough. Like, if, if Jesse was in, in, you know, prison near prison with me, if I was in prison and Jesse was one of the people who was constantly coming and ministering to me all day, it's relevant that you recognize that. I grew up with Jesse. He's my, one of my absolute best friends ever. If he was coming to me constantly, I trust his heart in the Lord that if I said, Jess, I need you to go back to New True North and, and serve them. Like, I need you to be there for them. He would go, but man, that would be painful. And this is, this is some of the parts, you know, there might be other people, but I really want to land it on you, okay? Paul is saying, and this is hard, but he's saying, I recognize that these people who are working for the Lord and, uh, and doing the right thing, their heart's not in the right place, and they're doing it for selfish gain or some sort. You're right. I'm reading into that a little bit. 
But he definitely says, not for Jesus Christ. So for whatever that is, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a pretty straightforward thing. There's Christ, and then there's everything else. So I just want to, like, as a warning, if you will, kind of throw that out there for you. Uh, how, many of, how many of you uh, are familiar with those ridiculous, uh, when you're out driving around, there's these triangular things that are on the side of the road. They're red and white sometimes that you ignore. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> what are those? Yield signs, right? Yeah, yeah. They're yield signs. This is a yield sign. Like what Paul's doing right here as he's being very real to these people, beware, okay? This is just one of those puts you up. Make sure you're not missing this thing. Don't fly by it, right? Recognize it for what it is. Pump the brakes a little bit. Check both ways. Continue on, right? That's the, uh, this is what Paul's doing right here. I think he's kind of giving that backhanded thing, you know, in, in the way of like, hey, everybody recognize this? Don't miss it. So, uh, so those are the, the, you know, Paul does this all the time as subtle rebukes, you know, uh, as, as like a father figure, you know, to his, to his people he's always writing. There's always rebukes. And, you know, uh, wounds from a friend can be trusted. And what, father, what loving father doesn't discipline his son? You know, all these different places in, in Scripture that we have these, these recognitions. That's, that's what Paul is doing here. So I just want that to be clear. Paul's not being mean, right? He's, he's saying, be better. That's always the case. Okay. Uh, Paul's recognition for those he's ministering to is, is obviously everything. You guys recognize that out of this passage. So I just want to point out once again at the beginning of this chapter, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Later, do you have the Timothy passage there, Steve? Oh, okay, you're good. Well, later in Timothy, he's writing this letter to Timothy. This is farther on, okay? He says this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He says, the aim, uh, the aim of our charge, right? He's talking to Timothy, so he's including himself and Timothy in this. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Straightforward as that. And it's important because when he's writing this letter to Timothy, Timothy's becoming the head over the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus is the mega church of the time. It is one of the largest in the area of all the planted churches. It's been growing. The Lord is moving in power. There's tons of people that need ministering to. And he's sending Timothy to go lead that church. So this is him as an as a equal in Christ, as his, as his leader. You know, These are offerings of like wisdom, right? He's telling don't miss, don't miss these things to Timothy. That's what he's saying. So when he says that to Timothy, he's, it's very important for us to recognize all these things are relevant for us as well. So the last thing I want to point out is they were human too. Every one of them. Okay? You guys are human, right? No aliens among us? You guys are, you get it. We're all prone to messing it up. We're all prone to screwing things up or choosing the wrong way, and we're all prone to whatever, you name it. But guess what? Because we're Christians, because we claim Christ as king, we're actually all prone to getting it right as well. Amen. Praise the Lord, because I get it wrong a lot. Kristen will attest. But that's a huge deal. Like, you are prone to getting it right if you choose the Lord first. Like, that's it. Straightforward and as simple as that. Paul was human. Timothy was human. Epaphroditus was human. These three characters that we're getting in this passage. Just like you and me. They're no different. 
The only difference is, is they were called from the Lord, and they accepted the call, and they went and did the work. Yes, they screwed up continuously, but yes, they kept their heart pure. That's the beauty of it, okay? So uh, the people at Philippi, actual people. As I stated, Paul, Paul, Epaphroditus, and Timothy, actual people. You and me, actual people. They had all these same things, the same emotions that you carry, the same downfalls, and the same recognitions for the hope in Christ, okay? And the relevant point to that is, just because it was 2,000 years ago and it's written about in the Bible, that doesn't mean it's not like us, and it doesn't mean it's not for us. That's the key thing. That's the key thing. So when you read the Bible, and when you deal with your daily life concerns and problems, ups and downs, mountaintops, valley lows, remember these things and actualize them. Keep them a part of who you are to say, oh, I screwed up again today over this same thing that I've been screwing up for years. Yeah, that's fine. You have a Savior in heaven who said, I forgive you for that. All you have to do is repent and turn back to him. Don't keep it there. You guys understand repentance when I say repentance, what the difference between that and forgiveness is? I had this great conversation with my mom about this, and I never recognized, like, uh, sometimes we get things messed up in our mind. What is forgiveness? Somebody give what forgiveness is. Just real quick. What is forgiveness? Letting go of somebody's wrong against you. That's a really good way to say Thank you. I mean, seriously, that's a really good way to say that because it has nothing to do with them and everything to do with you. That's forgiveness. That's what Jesus did for us, right? It had nothing to do with him and everything to do, or nothing to do with us and everything to do with him. Like, we couldn't do anything to be forgiven. What's repentance? What's the difference there? Anybody got a good idea of that? Turning. It literally means a turning, a 100% turning. Okay, so forgiveness is one thing. Repentance is another thing. So when I, when I am forgiven and I seek Christ, right, I am able to walk the straight and narrow path. When I choose my selfish sin and my flesh, which way am I heading? Away from Christ. Because where Christ is and what fle- where the fle- that's what Paul talks all the time, flesh or the spirit. You're either, you're either gratifying the spirit or you're gratifying the flesh. So when I gratify the flesh, I have to repent. I'm already forgiven, but I have to choose to say, no, this is the way I want to be and walk back towards the Lord. That's the difference between repentance and forgiveness. Just a quick like reminder. And I, I want that to be really practical in your life because no matter how many times we screw up, repentance is what we're called to. You're always able to be forgiven because you were forgiven once for all, okay? That wasn't in my notes, so you're welcome. That's an extra. That's 10 cent (laughs) add-on. Okay, I'm going to leave you with this. Here's the thing. Check your motives. This, to me, that's like the grasp of this passage. Check your motives. Uh, It's the one yield sign, right, that Paul throws up. Don't let it be about yourself. Even if you think you have the right intentions, question it. Think about it more than once. Say, okay, what I say and what I'm doing, is this because I think it's right and and that's the right thing to do? Or is it the Lord calls us to this? Lord, is this right? I should do. Do you see the difference? Like one stems from us, the other stems from him. Okay, And it takes discernment to recognize which one that is. But that's the first thing. Second thing is this. Love one another well. You guys hear me preach it all the time. It's something I say, the body of Christ. You know, we get to come here and experience this and the burden, you know, bearing the burden of others. That's all I'm saying. Love each other well. 
Straightforward as that. Pick Jesus as an example. That, I mean, that's key. That's absolutely key. Last thing, and this might be the hardest for some of us, be a normal human. <laughs> be a normal human. Like a lot of times you go out into the world and you think, okay, all right, all right, now I'm charged up at church. I'm, I'm going to be a Christian, and that looks like X. God created you to be you. Like you are who you are. That's just a unique thing about you. What you need to do is be you to the world, and it will. if your motive is coming from Christ, that will be seen through you. Does that make sense? Okay, I don't want to make that all weird and like take that down a strange path, but I really want you to recognize you don't have to look like Jared. You don't have to look like whoever, you name it, Billy Graham, whoever you think of as or Paul. Paul was himself. He wrote letters to humans. He was human. He had downfalls. He had, up, he had great ups. Timothy, Epaphroditus, just be human. Go out and be a human. <laughs> but do it through the power of Christ. Do it through the love of him. Not yourself, not what you think's best. Okay, that's what I'm calling you to. All right, well, I'm going to close. I'm going to pray for you guys, and, uh, and we'll get out of here. Unless you want to stay and, and, and have, me, uh, have me preach at you a little more. I'll, I'll do that. Or Jesse will pray for you. <laughs> so, I love you guys. Thank you for coming, but uh, let me pray for you. Let me bless you. Lord, thank you for, uh, for this time that we have together. Thank you that we can come together and get recharged as a body in Christ, that we can... Um, uh, that we can experience your spirit, that we can uh, experience the love that each one of us has for each other, that we can be selfless and that we can put that into action in, as we come and as we pray for each other, as we stand beside one another in encouragement. And Lord, I just ask that you would, uh, you would pour out your joy in these people. Lord, I find that to be the most, um, the most oppressive thing that, uh, that I hear from every person I talk to, and I think it's just our culture now, Lord. And I ask that you would just break that, that oppressive nature that, that is in each one of us. This life is so hard, and i got all these things going on. Lord, I just ask that you would strip all that away from each person, that you would allow them to experience your joy through action in loving other people. Because, Father, I, I, you, you gave that to us. You, you were the one who put that out there for us. So, Lord, let us experience your joy in this season of your, of your son's birth. Lord, may that be the forefront on our minds is how can I serve someone else to experience the joy of the Lord? So, Father, I just bless these people. I ask that you would um, go with them as they go from here, that you would encourage them, that you would stand the gap with them, that they would not lean on their own understanding or on their flesh, Lord, but that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit and they would lean on you in everything they do and everything they say and every, con- every place they come in contact with anyone, Lord, that they might not be seen, but that you would be seen. So, Father, I bless these people, and I ask that you would, uh, you would do that for them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the True North Vineyard Podcast. We hope that you are blessed by this message. To connect with us, be sure to visit our website, vineyardtruenorth.churchcenter.com, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True North Vineyard. We hope to see you soon.